Dalton takes a shotgun snap. Quick throw. Nice. Caught by Get Green. It, it is a yeah. touchdown. Adriel Jeremiah Green. Hello and welcome to episode 103 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. That, uh, well, we were back down to earth with a bang, really, after uh, the Bengals were defeated quite uh, quite emphatically, 27-3 by the Baltimore Ravens yesterday. All that confidence and uh, excitement and positivity kind of went out the window, uh, didn't it, Nathan Palmer? Did indeed, my son. And the start of last week's podcast, I talked about that warm glow we had from the win against the Jags. It's been a long time coming and we were hoping to build on that. Um, and it didn't happen, did it? <laughs> no, it didn't. And there's me thinking that warm glow was just turning the heating up for autumn. But no, it was the warm glow from from victory last week. And uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It was... Uh, it was a, well... <laughs> It was a horror show on the offensive side of the ball, but I think there were some positives on the defensive side of the ball. And we'll just we'll get into everything in a moment. But just to say, we don't have a special guest today. We thought we wouldn't have a guest because there is a lot to uh, talk about. The crisis committee is here. Uh, you're joining us. The Bengals version of Cobra is in sitting. And... Uh, we're, 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 Zach tells us not to press the panic button, but uh, I don't know. Um, we'll we'll discuss all that uh, in a few moments. We do have a, an episode of First and Ten to break up the wailing and gnashing of teeth. Uh, so that's something to look forward to. It's a good one, actually. Um, so we'll have that a bit later on. Um, where do you want? Well, where do you want to start? You, this is your suggestion. You what? Tell listeners what you put in a text to me this afternoon, Nathan. Mate, it's unfortunate I've got to say this. And, you know, I don't like bringing this out, but I texted Paul earlier. I said, look, mate, it's, uh, for the first time this season, we've got to roll out the wheel of misfortune. And it came out quite a lot last year because it was a difficult year. And it was a nice way for us to sort of break down the, the problems that the Bengals were experiencing. And for the first time this year, the Bengals Cobra Committee is calling for it to be rolled out for the first time. Okay, well, without further ado then, shall we, well, it's not really playing, but spin the Bengals Wheel of Misfortune. Perfect. Okay, well, let's spin the wheel, and we've got some subjects that we're uh, chomping at the bit to discuss. Nathan Offair just told me he's just uh, devoured uh, a magnum, an ice cream magnum, on the 12th of August. Mini Magnum, let's be fair. Don't want, the, the, don't want the listeners thinking that I'm not, you know, peak lo- losing my shape with all of this uh, stress. <laughs> <laughs> but Nathan is eating ice lollies on uh, the 12th of October, which I think is to be applauded. But anyway, let's spin this wheel. <laughs> <laughs> Have 
have you given the wheel a bit of a digital transformation? <laughs> I have. See, I think that's quite cute. But by about the third or fourth one, I think that might be quite annoying. But um, well, well, now it's landed on AJ Green. How about that? It's hard to know at the start of AJ. I mean, we, every week on the podcast, we've had a chat about him. And when the season started off, yeah, I think the first game of the season, he was all right. And then the games after that, it was a bit iffy. And he just felt like he was not 100%. He's missing a few catches, dropping a few balls. And the chemistry just wasn't there with Joe Burrow. And I thought he'd come good. I really felt he obviously had some rust. He didn't play last year. His season before that was cut short. And I really, you have to give AJ the benefit. He's been that good. He's been the, you know, the consummate professional for a long time. And yesterday was really, really bad. He, on the interception, he just looked like he was jogging. He didn't look like he had, he just, he hasn't got the speed. He hasn't got the energy. And I don't know, his body language just looks a bit defeatist. And I don't know whether he's been playing her. That's my only explanation because, or he's got a problem with the coaches. I don't know, but to me, what we've seen so far from him, you're six games into the season or five games into the season, whatever it is, and he just looks, he looks a bit shot, to be honest. He just looks completely and utterly lethargic. Yeah. Um, that interception was really weird. I mean, it was a poor throw from Joe Burrow, and I'm sure one of the categories on our Bengals wheel of misfortune will be Joe Burrow at some point but it was a it was a terrible throw um but he just didn't seem to sort of locate the ball in the end fair enough it was you know he wasn't expecting it to sort of balloon over his head I don't think but I think it was the it was the attempt to tackle the interceptor that was that had lots of uh um people talking really wasn't it I mean as you say he kind of he kind of ran back and then just ran in a completely different direction. It was very strange. It was really weird. You, you could tell he was really trying to not get hit on a blindside block. I think that's what he was sort of a bit concerned about. But after that play, I think he just, that was him. He was out of the game. I think they listed him as a doubtful with a, a hamstring or a quad or something like that. And that was the end of him. And obviously that tweet, and I wouldn't read too much into it, but that tweet out there, with the lip reading things, which some people interpreted as him saying he thinks that something along the lines of, if they don't throw it to me, then why don't they just trade me or something like that. But not the greatest sight from a guy that's a captain of the team. You've got to remember that. A veteran leader in the locker room, he sat there on his own, clearly not happy. And obviously, I don't, and I don't know what else is on your wheel of fortune, but in the same week with Carlos Dunlap and the sort of shenanigans that's going on there. It's just not what you want to see from two veteran leaders on the team with that sort of body language and stuff like that. So it's, it's a, for me, it's a, a real concern when you start seeing that from leaders on the team. So I think we said this when Andy Dalton um, was uh, on his way out. It's always very difficult to kind of phase out uh, established veterans that have been playing for a team for like almost a decade Someone who, in AJ's case, has been absolutely brilliant and borderline, you know, Hall of Fame up until about a year and a half ago. Um, it's very difficult to know how to, if they're not performing as they were, you've got their egos to 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 manage. Uh, you've got to try and do it lightly and with balance and be open with communication. That didn't seem to be the case with Carlos Dunlap last week um 
uh, although Carlos played quite well yesterday, I thought. Um, but AJ, yeah, it's worrying. Uh, I'm not sure. When I first saw the video, I I wasn't seeing what everyone else was seeing in terms of the trade me thing. Uh, in fact, I really love... Have you ever seen those sort of uh, amusing overdubs that some guy, what they call... Um, the bad lip reading. The bad lip reading. I think someone should do that because I think I, I could have sworn he was uh, ordering a pizza. To be honest with you, it could have been, could have, <laughs> could have been anything really. So I don't know. But yeah, Geezer was trying to get two for one on large pizzas from Domino's, wasn't he? Exactly, exactly. And I wouldn't blame him really. Uh, we need all the sustenance that we can get in these hard times. But um, yeah, I mean. Who knows? It was a bit mysterious the way he went out of the game because obviously we had the injury to DJ Reader, which don't think it's been confirmed as a season ender, but certainly all the reports out there saying that he's done his quad in and he's out for the season, which is desperately... Anyway, we'll come on to that later. Um, and then and then AJ went out with a hamstring. And like, I think you've been saying it on the podcast that you know perhaps he hasn't quite recovered from the hamstring. Perhaps he's still feeling it a little bit. Perhaps he's still very wary about it. Perhaps he's not going full go because of that niggling doubt in the back of his mind. But yeah, certainly, I mean, he's not getting open. And subsequently, people like Tyler Boyd uh, and T Higgins have been getting open more. Uh, So... It's the same with Dunlap. Dunlap's not been playing brilliantly this season and Carl Lawson has been playing better. So it's not rocket science to suggest that his snaps should kind of decrease. Again, it's just the way you do it, I think. It's difficult for Zach Taylor, isn't it? Because you inherit this team and, as you mentioned before, you've got these veteran leaders on the team that have been here for 10 years and... Been fantastic players, Carlos Dunlap, AJ Green, two of the best players the Bengals have had ever. Really fantastic players. And it's hard, isn't it? You're a young coach, the team's struggling, it's not playing well. Usually you'd rely on these guys. Certainly you've given AJ Green the franchise tag, that's a lot of money. It suggests he's a top player and he should be given those that amount of playing time. Carlos Dunlap, not too recently, signed an extension again at big money. So again, you'd expect him to contribute. And they're not. I mean... In Carlos Dunlap's case, I I wouldn't say he's not contributing. I think, as you said, he's just been outplayed a bit by Carl Lawson. I know he had a sack yesterday, Dunlap, but I think he only had one tackle and played okay. Nothing to shout about. But it is difficult because you've got these guys. uh, They're known as being team leaders and Pro Bowl caliber players because they're damn good. And you get a young guy like Zach Taylor that comes in. The team's not winning games. They're not getting the reps they're used to. And it does just sort of boil up into a bit of a difficult and sticky situation. You've got young guys like T. Higgins at the moment, who's completely outplaying AJ. You've got Lawson, who's not young, but has always struggled to stay on the field and is on the field. At the moment. He's playing fairly well. So it, it does definitely brew up as a, a, a difficult situation for, for Zach Taylor to deal with as a young head coach who is struggling at the moment. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, for Dunlap to come out and say that he wasn't uh, spoken to, he found about he found out about his demotion by a, I think a, a something on a clipboard or something you know on a, on a wall chart or whatever it might have been. 
Um, it sort of goes unprofessional. That wasn't it. Sort unprofessional. Of, I mean, I don't think anybody is arguing that you know if Lawson's playing better than Dunlap, then Lawson deserves to play more, right? Um, but it's just the way you do it. And for someone who you know, I like Zach personally, and he's been on this podcast. And he's br- been brilliant with us and and the UK fans. But he's always preached uh, open communication and. That didn't seem like open communication. And when you add the Andy Dalton um, incident, I guess you'd call it, uh, back last year, again, that sort of goes against his open communication uh, uh, mantra. So, I don't know, it's very difficult. But uh, we'll see. I still hope AJ comes good. I hope he's now got a huge chip on his shoulder. Uh, and goodness, we need him. Let's get on to our what, next... What do, you, go on. What, what do you, just quickly, to finish on the AJ subject, what do you see as his future at the Bengals this year? Do you think he comes back? Do you think he plays anymore? How, how do you see that shaping out? Do you think it's going to be another situation where he sort of nurses this hamstring for a fair whack of time? Or well, the trouble do is, I don't... I don't I, at, at this moment in time, I don't see him playing for the Bengals next year. So, ideally, he wants to put himself in the shop window... But also yeah, not not get himself more injured. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's a bit of a standoff. I hope not because you don't want, as we say, a player that we love and a player who has been absolutely brilliant for us to leave the club uh, on really acrimonious terms. Do you know what I mean? You want it to be a fairly smooth parting of the ways, you know. Um, yeah. But at this moment. With everything going on, and there's lots of conspiracy theories out there as well, not just on AJ Green about everything. Um, I don't know, man. I just hope. I just hope it doesn't come to him sort of almost like ref- either refusing to play, or I'm, I'm not quite sure whether he'd do that. I'm sure he wouldn't do that. But Zach came out last last night and kind of said, "Look, he's he's been really positive and." Um, we'll hear more. We're recording this on the Monday, so Zach's Monday press conference will be coming up soon. So there'll be lots of chat about and questions about AJ Green. I would have thought, but um, yeah, it seems to be a bit of a sticky situation, and it's there's a few of the veterans that are bubbling up a little bit at the moment. Um, but well, I, like say, I think it's a really difficult situation, really. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's like Gino Atkins yesterday, first game back, didn't have a fantastic game, didn't notice him too much. I don't think he had a tackle. Well, he only played 19 like... snaps yesterday, so they, yeah, were, obviously, no, they like... were obviously easing him back in. So, Yeah, fair, fair play. Um, just, I, I agree with you completely on AJ. I think he's going to struggle big time next season at the rate he's going to get offered any sort of money. I mean, he wanted a long-term deal from the Bengals. They were reluctant to give it to him, which now in hindsight looks like a fantastic piece of business to just give him a one-year franchise tag to see what they've got with him. And obviously so far, it's not been what we would have wanted. Um, But he's going to need to, exactly like you said, put something on tape. Because if you go into this off-season with nothing more from him or limited, you know, a couple 50 yards here, 30 yards there, I'm not sure what team is going to pay him anywhere near where he what, what he would imagine that he's worth at 33 without any real substance for nearly three years. So it's going to be a very, very tough market for him. There's a lot of young wide receivers out there. People will be looking to the draft. There's a lot of good players coming through from there. I'm just not sure how much money you're going to want to give a 33-year-old AJ Green who's injury-prone and hasn't put anything on the field. So 
you'd imagine he'd be desperate to come back and play and prove and as you said with a chip on his shoulder but I I don't know it's a very tricky one um, I'm drafting a wide receiver in the first three rounds next year but we'll get on to that later in the year I think uh, let's spin that wheel again shall we It sounds like a bit of a rave that's gone wrong. Yeah, it's like a rave that's petered out at about six o'clock in the morning when everyone's hit the floor. Uh, our next day, our next, our next subject on the Bengals' wheel of misfortune is Zach Taylor. Cool, blimey! Do you want me to start, or you'd start? <laughs> I'll start. I'll start. It's like a it's like a chess no, like game. Poison uh, chalice. Gonna, gonna, I'll pass gonna... you the chalice of poisonness and drink from my <laughs> chalice. Um, I'm worried. I have to say, I'm a, as I say, I'm a big fan of Zach, and I really like him as a guy, and uh, I, I like what he's brought to the Bengals in terms of openness and energy. Um, but I'm starting to worry. Uh, the thing that disappointed me most about yesterday's game, I think, uh, was the game planning. Before Last week, before I'm sure everyone out there listens to and watches all the press conferences leading up to the game and whatnot. And all the questions to Joe Burrow and Zach were about... Um, uh, is it Wink Martindale? Is that his name? Um, yeah, yeah. Wink, old Winker. Yeah. The old Winker. Um He's about, got to be a coach prospect, that geezer. The what he's getting out. Of oh yeah, film. absolutely. I yeah. know he's a bit older, but like he's he's doing a fantastic job there. Yeah, and he has done for several years now, isn't he? Um, yeah, I think um, all the talk was about blitzes. All the questions were, how are you going to handle the the Ravens' blitzes? Do you think they'll blitz often? Yes. Do you think it'll be a problem? Well, we'll figure it out. We'll have a game plan going in. <laughs> um, the Ravens had seven sacks yesterday. And they didn't figure it out right from the very start. Um, strangely, I think uh, our Andrew Dockerell shared with us uh, a tweet saying that five different cornerbacks recorded sacks yesterday for the Ravens. which was an extraordinary uh, thing. I've never read that before. But no, they were no. just flying off the edges. We just couldn't handle the blitzes. Um, and... It wasn't just like, you know, for a half and then we went into the half and made adjustments. It was all throughout the game. Um, and then after the game, Zach Taylor spoke about, oh, they do a fantastic job with zero blitzes and slot blitzes and corner blitzes, etc., etc. And uh, it's like, well, OK, so you know they did or and you know they will do because that's their kind of, you know, modus operandi on 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 defense and yet you did nothing to stop it now that's probably a bit unfair i'm sure they did try to do some things to stop it but the problem is if you go empty backfield and spread the wide receivers out you're thinning an already pretty poor protection scheme right there and your quarterback is basically a sitting duck Really, if you haven't got the offensive line to cope with the pass rush, which we saw that they kind of haven't or didn't yesterday, uh, and then adding the fact that you've got some creative blitz concepts going on with cornerbacks and you know all kinds of things coming at you, 
Um, it's very difficult. It's, I mean, the Ravens are a really good team. They're a top five NFL team. So, they're, you know, I think we all expected the Bengals to lose yesterday. But I think we expected them to be prepared and we expected them to make a game of it. And they really didn't. And my, I've had little, little rumblings about the fact that um, the game planning is a bit off, it feels to me. Um, the offense has been really slow to start, you know, against San Diego. Did okay in Cleveland. Uh, again, in Philadelphia. And what game am I missing? And obviously yesterday. So uh, we played five games, haven't we? Yeah. So San, sorry, not San Diego, Los Angeles. Still call them San Diego. Los Angeles, Cleveland, Philadelphia and Baltimore. And who am I missing? Jags. And the Jags, sorry, yeah. Even against the Jags that we won, we started off really, really slowly. So I'm a bit worried about the game planning. Um, there didn't seem to be much going on in terms of adjustments yesterday. Um, he obviously likes this spread offence to keep Joe Burrow nice and uh, comfortable because that's obviously what he ran in college predominantly. But if, you're, if your offensive line can't handle you know, the rush, it might be worth going back to some good old-fashioned Max Protect stuff. Uh, a couple of tight ends in there. A, you know, Geo in the backfield more, who yesterday did pick up a really... did fantastically well on one blitz, I saw. Um, but the fact is, there's not really any protection back there for any sort of blitzes. And now teams know how to kind of knack us. And you use that spread offence as almost like a splash play here and there to keep... To, to kind of get the defence off balance. But we were using it hell of a lot yesterday and the Ravens just weren't buying it. In fact, they were kind of saying, well, yeah, you give us a spread offence. That's going to leave us so many gaps to come in and blitz your quarterback. And by the end, you know, Joe Joe didn't really have much of a chance and he certainly didn't play that well yesterday. So I'm worried about Zach. He seems to be sort of, again, trying to fit square pegs into round holes. It's like, oh, I'm going to do this without really... Without really acknowledging that the personnel that he has at his disposal isn't quite there yet. Yeah, I agree with you. My my concern is that he's losing the locker room. And I think when you've had a, and this is no fault of his own, but the season that Marvin left, the back end of that season, at the start of it was fantastic. We were playoff bound. It looked very very good. We were all running around in the uh, the brew house in Highbury when. They beat the Buccaneers and everything seemed quite good. But the back end of that season was shocking. And we the, all the air went out of the team. It was the end of Marvin. And the back end of that season, then last season where we were very, very poor, and now into this season, I just think it takes its toll. And you're starting to see bubbles with things like AJ Green, Carlos Dunlap, Mackenzie Alexander was having a row apparently with some coach, which I'm sure is normal. And I don't want to know that out of all proportion, but you're still hearing it come up. And I just start to question whether there's people in the locker room that are starting to say, we've been listening to this guy now for a season and a half. He's been here for 21 games. We've won three games, all against pretty bad teams. Cleveland last year were poor. Jacksonville this year are poor. And, um, the other win was the who was it the season before, son? Uh, um, Jets, the Jets, exactly. Another poor team. So 
you're not exactly looking at those games thinking to yourself, you know, this is quite exciting here. We're playing good football. We're not playing good football. And I think that's epitomised yesterday in that game against the Ravens. No one expects us to go in there and win it. You know, If we could have kept that close, people would have been buzzing. But it was really embarrassing. And that game, when they went up, I think it was up 10 very, very quickly and then up 17, you're like, well, that's, that's us done, really. Mm. We're not going to come back and hang 24, 30 on the Ravens on the road. And like you said, it's the preparation, it's the game planning, it's the, the execution, it's just not there. And if you're talking about the locker room and some of the guys there that have been there a while that are listening to Zach Taylor and they're trying to sort of absorb and take on board what he's preaching, when you keep losing and losing, and you're not just that you lose, it doesn't look good. And you, people in that locker room are start, will be starting to question, why are we listening to him? Why is, why is Jim Turner still here? Joe Burrow will sit there and say, I've come into this team our best quarterback prospect in 10 years. I've been sacked 22 times, which is a league high through five games. Now, Joe Burrow doesn't lose games. He's not losing. He won in high school. He won in college. He won a national championship. He went 15-0 and in his college career last year, won a national championship, won the Heisman, won it all, smoking cigars and loving it. And he is not going to be out. And no one's going to be happy that they're losing games at the moment. But he, of all people, the leader of that team, you know, first-year captain, he is not going to be happy they're losing games. And he's not going to be happy that he's taking an absolute beating back there. And you just wonder whether or not, at this point, it starts to get a little bit dicey. Because you've got the Colts next week, and if we lose that, you can almost write the season. If you go 1-4-1, one, and one, you can kind of say, look, we're probably not going to do much this year. Which, again, people might have thought, well, we're not really expecting to go to the playoffs this year. You need to see promise. You need to see good game plans, exciting plays. You need to see the Bengals really, like Zach Taylor, getting more out of this team than is there. Really I think that's the showing key. there's a unity there. And we're just not seeing it, I don't think. And there's been too many games that we've not just lost, but they've been horrible. There's too many times we've brought out this wheel of misfortune. And I think that's my concern, is that is he losing the, t- the locker room here? I, I do think you made a, g- a good point. I think we made it last week. The coaching staff, I'm talking offensively here at the moment. Um, I, I actually think the Bengals will finish sort of below middle mid-table. I don't think they're going to be rock bottom this year. I think they will win four more games at least, I think, this year. Um, but anyway... Um, you look at what Brian Flores is doing in Miami, and Miami arguably have got a worse roster than we have, and he's getting the best out of those players. Now, whether it's by scheme, motivation, mixture of both, whatever. Um, Zach doesn't seem to be doing that, and, I, and certainly someone like Jim Turner is not doing that. But Zach, there's question mark. I mean, I mean, I want Zach to succeed. I really do, because I really like the guy. And um, it would it would please me no end. It would make me very happy if if Zach turned this around. Um, but yeah, the fear is that he's not getting the best out of his players. Um, but we'll have to wait. And I, see. That, I, don't I think know. that's we'll such see. a good point on Brian Flores because last season Miami literally traded the whole team away. They traded their tackle away. They traded um, just about anything they had: the safety to the Steelers, Fitzpatrick. They literally roll him with a 36, seven-year-old Ryan Fitzpatrick journeyman. I think they had Josh Rosen in there at points. It was a mess, and they won more games than us. They beat us. 
And this season, they're hanging 40 up on the 49ers. And I know the 49ers have got injuries, but they beat the Jags. They're still rolling, and they've really not got a lot there. Mm. And I think that's a really good point. He's a young coach. He's trying to win some games, and he's getting more out of a worse team. I think that's a really good point. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Jim Turner can bugger off, though, immediately, quite honestly. But there we go. <laughs> Let's go back to the Wheel of Misfortune. Is it getting annoying? Is it getting annoying? <laughs> no, I've quite enjoyed it. I've quite, quite enjoyed it. Uh, it's totally, yeah, loving it. Okay, the next, uh, the next subject up for discussion is the defense. Now, if I was saying earlier that I was worried about the offensive game planning and execution, we should also mention something that Andrew Dockerall also said in in a group chat earlier that it wasn't just. Actually, no, we'll save that because I think the offensive line is also another subject. We're picking all the good ones tonight, listeners. Uh, but no, the defence. If the offence didn't feel particularly uh, prepared last yesterday or didn't put together a good game plan, I thought the defence did yesterday. Now, obviously, they scored 27 points, the Ravens, but we managed to hold them to below 30 points for the first time this season. Uh, Lamar Jackson who's been an absolute machine. He uh, he had two carries for three yards. Mark Ingram had 11 carries for 57 yards. Lamar Jackson was 19 of 37 for 180 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. So they weren't firing on all cylinders. And I have to say, bar that first, I don't know, first quarter and a half, I'd say, where... The Ravens were kind of like, you know, they were 17 nil up at half time, so it was kind of game over. Um, but uh, apart from Mark Andrews, who was sort of abusing Von Bell pretty much every uh, on every snap early doors, they did make adjustments. They had some really interesting little blitz packages uh, of themselves. Uh, Darius Phillips was on the line and kind of almost spying. Uh, Lamar Jackson himself and, and kind of blitzing off the edge and constantly making plays. Jesse Bates was great in the in in the secondary. Again, the linebackers looked solid and they were making good tackles. And Logan Wilson had another interception. He really should have had another. And uh, ADG should have had uh, an interception as well. But I thought on the you know it's weird to say the defense played well when. Um, your team loses 27-3, but I think they did. And, you know, they really... I was absolutely terrified coming out of halftime. It was 17 nothing. The Ravens get the ball back first, and you kind of thought, well, this is kind of game over. But they stopped them two or three times in that third quarter and um, and gave the offense a chance to get back into it, which they just could not do. Um so I take my hats off to Anaruma. I really do. I thought he, he called a really good game yesterday. You know, there was a few splash plays early doors. There was that kind of end-around style reverse to Duvernay that went for a big chunk pretty much. Was it the first play of the game or the second play or something like that? 
Uh, when uh, I saw that, when I saw that play, I was like, "Here we go!" Yeah, I was absolutely. like, "This is going to be a hell of a long day." Because that's what the Ravens love to do—the misdirections, the end arounds, Lamar Jackson running it himself. They've got a nice stable of running backs there, and I just thought it was going to be a long day. The defense is going to be knackered, yeah, and the Ravens are just going to run all over us. But and I thought it they didn't d- happen. I thought they did really, really well on the whole. They did tighten up considerably. Uh, obviously, yep. we, we've lost DJ Reader, which is a huge blow because he's been as advertised and worth every penny, I think. And the the exciting thing is that we were going to see him next to Geno Atkins, which he'd been waiting for for sort of four games. And that's not going to happen this season, unfortunately. But I've been been impressed with Christian Covington, been impressed with Armani Bledsoe. I've been impressed with uh, Khalil McKenzie yesterday. Um, our old friend Khalid Kareem flashed yesterday, which is great to see. The defence was doing a really, really good job on the whole. And I think you can see the difference of having a solid core in the middle of the field. You know, Pratt, Bynes, um, uh, ADG, Logan Wilson, Jordan Evans. Those sort of guys in there uh, make all the difference. So uh, props to the defence. Yeah, I completely agree. They played well yesterday. If you looked at that stat line before... The game and said, "This is what's going to happen." You like, we're bloody going to win this. And Lamar Jack- Joe Burrow rushed for ten yards yesterday. Outrushed Lamar Jackson. Outrageous. Yeah. Lamar Jackson didn't have a huge day passing, but he just did enough. And Mark Ingram was fairly quiet. Only ran eleven times, like you said. They did a good job. And there was times where I felt the Ravens were going to put the game out of hand, and it was going to be thirty, forty, or something silly. And they did tighten up and they played well. Uh, you have to give credit. They got some pressure on him. They hit him a few times. They let him know they were there. They did play well. They 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 took some of their chances as well. There's a couple of interceptions. Um, there should have been like Logan Wilson, another one that I think he'd definitely want back. Um, Davis Baker as well. And they're the chances you've got to take. If you're going to have an opportunity against a team that well, your offense isn't playing, it's brutal, but you've got to catch them and you've got to turn them into points. Um, but full credit. And I, I think credit to Lou you know he gets a lot of flack the geezer um but he did call a good game and you keep you hold the Ravens to 20 points on offense at least you know exclude the turnover mm. you fancy it you take it every day you go into Baltimore and you say look we're gonna they're gonna score 20 you say absolutely take that we've got three touchdowns to win it here you you, you back yourself to have a go you know? uh, just to touch on that I don't know whether it's on the, the wheel or not that DJ Reader injury is devastating because Eagles don't sign big name free agents typically. It's a big signing for a well-rounded quality player on the defensive line, which we desperately need. He's played well. It's really hard. He went he went down earlier in the season, and I was like, oh my word, not DJ Reader, anything but him. And I think he just had cramp, and he came back yeah. in. And he was fine. And you think, thank God for that. And yesterday, I was begging it was cramp. I'm not like Tony Romo, but I was begging it was just cramp with Reader. And yeah. obviously, it looks like a quad injury, and he's going to be out for the season. But just a, a real sad state of affairs, you know. Some free agents with Trey Waynes, and obviously he's out for a long time. Reader as well, and it, it just uh, the Bengals—they don't get much luck with these free agents they bring in, do they? But they don't, and I think it is luck. It's nothing to do. It's nothing to do with a curse or anything daft. Um, no, no, you know, it's, it's just, just it's just bad luck. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, okay, let's spin the wheel again. Sure. I must mention Carlos Dunlap, who pulled off the most incredible, the only sack for the Bengals of the day, I think. 
Um, uh, even though we did get some good pressure on, on Jackson, certainly in the second half. Um, he was being sort of held by a guy in the grasp of someone else who was rushing. And he just sort of poked out his right hand, I think it was, grabbed Lamar Jackson's shirt and just somehow dragged him to the ground. I couldn't believe it. Like a, it was... like a choke slam. Exactly. I, I don't know what that is, but it was... Uh, <laughs> you don't know what a choke slam is. I do not is. know what a choke slam is. You know, you, got... you actually do. You, you're a man that knows uh, the fine art of a suplex. You obviously know what a choke slam is. <laughs> I do not. Anyway, let's go back. To, let's go back to the wheel. <laughs> Man, Sorry, it. it's, that, it's, that, it's that little perky, <laughs> cheeky bit at the end, isn't it? That's doing it for you. Uh, okay, it's Joe Burrow. He had, a, he had a rookie day, didn't he? He's allowed those days. He's poor. He knows it. It was some a poor interception at the start. The, the problem with Burrow is he's running so much. And I saw this with Andy Dalton. At a certain point, you start seeing ghosts. You start not being able to sort of confidently stand in the pocket because you know you're going to get hit. And the issue for him yesterday is he was just getting run at by geezers who weren't even blocked. Yeah. He's like these cornerbacks just running off the edge. People come up the middle and there's just no one on them. I mean, you could, no one in the NFL can play like that. It doesn't matter who you put back there. If you've got some big geezer or fast geezer coming off the edge with no one blocking them and you're having to spin, you're having to run away, you can't throw like that. It messes the play up. You've got to go off script. It, no one's going to play well like that. And at LSU, the guy is not as athletic that he's playing against. He can spin around. He can throw these balls downfield. He can create these marvellous plays. And he's had a bit of success so far doing that for us. But he learned his lesson yesterday. Seven sacks. Hell, he fumbled the ball a couple of times. He held on to it for too long. It just wasn't a good game. He couldn't hit those deep balls again. There was nothing long to speak of yesterday. Just a rough game. And he's played very, very, very well in the first four. Been absolutely faultless at times. But yesterday had a, had a rough game and he'll know that. Yeah, well, he tweeted, I think, uh, as something as such, really, you know, saying that they've got to use games like this to to learn from and bounce back, which is exactly the right attitude. Um, I agree, and I, this was my only worry about Burrow, that all that dancing around that we saw at college level, you know, kind of extending plays, is great, and we've not really had a, a QB like that at the Bengals for a while, for a long time, arguably ever, you know, um, so that's great. He offers a new, a different dimension to anything that we've had before. And um, my only worry is that he, he was dancing around a lot at uh, LSU and people were going nuts. Oh, you see this play? He made 19 players miss. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's like, yeah, great. It looks great and it's fun to watch. But wait till you... And I said this last year. I did. I said it on this podcast. Wait till he gets to the NFL. Players are bigger, quicker, faster, stronger. Um, and he's not... No, he's, that's what Johnny Manziel used to do. Exactly yeah. that. And I'm not comparing Joe Burrow to Johnny Manziel in any shape, way, shape or form. Joe Burrow's a lot better than that. But Manziel did the same at Texas A&M. And I used to watch it and I was like, he's not going to get away with this. He's just tossing balls all over the shop, the geezer. Like, and he's using his athleticism. And you just... 
it's not going to translate. I mean, Burrow's got a lot more than that. He's a much better passer of the ball. He's much more Absolutely, accurate. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you don't even need, we don't need to state that. But it was a, I don't know exactly what you mean. Apparently, three of the sacks were on him yesterday. Um, that's what PFF said, I believe. Um, so, you know, it is one of those days. I hope that he's not, you know, the running around and scrambling around isn't affecting his accuracy, which is which is what happened yesterday. It was there was a, a short pass to Mixon in the second half that, you know, 99 times out of 100 he would make with his eyes closed, but he overthrew him, which was a shock. The interception... You'd have made that one with a heath sum, wouldn't you? I reckon just about, I think. Um, <laughs> you but, you know, zipped it in there, hit Mixon in the chest. My point is um, <laughs> that... Uh, of course I would, easily. But anyway... Um, you know, my point is that I hope all that kind of pressure didn't get to him in terms of his accuracy or whatever. Maybe it did. Um, could be a worry going forward. But you're right. He's a rookie. He's learning. He's got to learn to balance that. He's got, you know, they've got to come up with ways for him to get the ball out of uh, his hands quickly. They've got to get the running game going again, uh, which was, again, more or less non-existent yesterday. Um so, yeah, I mean, he'll learn. He's been absolutely brilliant the first four games. Uh, he's got another tough one, another tough defence next week against the Colts. So, you know, it's it's still fun to watch, but yesterday was, was tough, I think, for him. Agreed. Right, back to the wheel for our final uh, category. You'll be very pleased to know. Farewell, <laughs> jaunty digital theme. Until the next time, we're definitely bringing that back. I think that was quite fun. Um, oh, that was a strange noise from your microphone. Uh, right, it is the offensive line. I don't want to spend too much time on this because it feels like we're talking uh, about them every single week, and it gets a bit depressing. Uh, the PFF uh, graves for graves. That's a bit of a Freudian slip, isn't it, for the offensive line? <laughs> uh, the PFF Bengals grades, pass blocking, Hopkins, 90, 90? No, that's not right. What is wrong with me? I'm going to part here. Hopkins, 79.6. Hart, 79.0. Williams, 76.2. Redmond, 46.5. Jordan, 42.3 and the run blocking conversely uh, Hopkins 55.5 Hart 55.5 Williams 51.6 Redmond 71.8 and Jordan 59.3 um, so according to PFF Hopkins Hart and Williams were pretty solid in pass protection Redmond and Jordan were not and this is what's worrying me it's the interior offensive line those guard positions are just not doing it at the moment uh the run blocking grades seem to bear out as well no running lanes for anybody to to kind of run through um and we should also say you know if 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 an opposition is blitzing from the corner or the slot it's not necessarily the offensive line's fault on the sacks right because they're that's it's not an offensive lineman's assignment to pick up a free runner from the from the edge. You've got to think about tight ends. You've got to be thinking about running backs and picking those guys up. But 
so it might not all be on the offensive line, but yeah, it was kind of another horror show, really. Just couldn't get anything going on the ground. Just couldn't get anything uh, going on uh, too much on pass protection. Um, receivers weren't getting open. It was it was a pretty tough watch on the offensive side of the ball. I still don't know. It's kind of back to the drawing board like it was against the Philadelphia game. Everyone's screaming for changes. Fire this guy. Fire that guy. Uh, bench that guy. Bench the other guy. Uh, I don't know what the answer is because there's just not the depth there to make any serious changes. I don't know if they can make any uh, amazing scheme changes like they did uh, halfway through last year, uh, I I personally would let Jim Turner go um, uh, during the bye week. That's one casualty I think is merited. Uh, I don't know. It's tricky. But the one thing's for certain, you cannot keep doing this to a rookie quarterback. You just can't ruin a generational talent like this because of the offensive line. Because again, I said it once, say it again. Everything starts and ends with the offensive line when it comes to the offense. You know, it's running game, passing game, play action, confidence, synchronicity across the board. Uh, They just don't look as though they have it. No, I agree. You make a good point about the fact that is it scheme? Is it? You know, there was a play yesterday, Drew Sample on Matt Judon, obviously a massive mismatch, big guy like Judon, running free, sacking Burrow. That's not going on the offensive line. The corners, as before, four or five of them getting sacks. Again, who's that one? Is it on the tight end? Is it on Burrow himself? Is it on a running back? Is Is it on Mixon or Geo? Like, they're the things you've got to iron out. And I think those PFF grades, I was looking at them for this season, sort of the grades of some of the guys, similar to what you said. And you look at it, and every Bengals fan out there wants to get rid of Bobby Hart. They want to get rid of Jim Turner. They want to get rid of some of the other guys. And you look at the grades, and it's, Bobby Hart's got like a light green grade. Yeah. Something in the 60s, like, like top 60s. And you look at that at the start of the season, you're like, oh, the Bengals were half decent. But you've got Joe Boyer going down 22 times. Uh, something's wrong. And I, I, as much as I respect PFF, I love stats and I respect the work they do. It's a great platform. You're looking at it and you're like, well, what, what is wrong then? Because Burrow's highly rated. He's had some good games. And Joe Mixon, his PFF grade's fairly okay. I know that'll only encompass a small amount of it on blocking. But something's not going right. And if it's Callahan's offensive scheme, if it's play design, I don't know. But... You just cannot have Joe Burrow getting sacked 22 times through five games. One game he gets sacked eight times. One game he gets sacked seven times. He is just getting hammered out there. And he's not hes not just taking some sacks where he's giving himself up and it looks, you know, he's just having these people touch him on the ground. He's getting walloped the geezer. He's getting absolutely hammered. There'd be a lot of other players out there that have been longer in the teeth, like Ryan Fitzpatrick's of the world, Tom Brady's. Philip Rivers, if they got hit, like Joe Burrow got hit, they'd be out, they'd be done. They'd be carted off the field. And you see with Dak Prescott yesterday, that horrendous injury where he's on the run and he's taking the hit, it doesn't take a lot. You saw it with Carson Palmer, these these awful uh, injuries that can really hamper quarterbacks. And you cannot let Joe Burrow get hit like that. Like I said, they're big hits, and we've got to protect him better, make him feel confident in the pocket. 
Dalton lost it at the end. He was just running all over the place. He had no confidence in the line. He was getting hit. He got hurt a couple of times, and we cannot let that happen to Joe Burrow. So be it scheme, be it just better play, whatever it needs to be, something to change. And on the running side of the ball, Mixon had a fantastic game last week against the Jags. No holes for him. He took advantage of it. But something's got to change again, whether it's scheme, whether it's the line blocking better, whether it's Mixon running harder, because we've got to establish that run. It will make the whole thing a lot easier for Joe Burrow if he's got a run game that's putting up 70, 80 yards a game. You saw the benefits last week. Yeah, 100%. Zach could bring in his beloved play action. Uh, and that makes yep. such a difference. Suddenly, Burrow's got more time to throw. That makes a huge difference with Burrow's accuracy, you know. Um, Joe Mixon is currently the fourth... Uh, well, uh, he's fourth in the most uh, yards table in the NFL. So there you go, which is weird. He's also rushed it the second most times. Yeah, and no he's averaging 3.7 yards or 3.6 yards a carry, which is not... Not great. I just think Gio needs to be given some carries and just you mix it up a little bit, sort of try and diversify. But I guess, I guess yesterday, if you're 17 nothing down, then... Yeah. You know, that also gives the opposition licence to tee off. You know, they've got seven, a 17-point cushion. It's like, let's just blitz them on every play, you know, which they kind yeah. of did. Anyway... Uh, just, just very quickly, Sam, just quickly to finish on the subject of the offensive line, I'd like to sort of give you these little questions. What do you do? What are you doing? I don't know is the short answer. I mean, there's there's talk about, I saw some chatter on uh, the Twitter today saying, you know, why not move Bobby inside to right guard and give Adenergy a go? Um, I don't know. I just do not know because we don't have the personnel really to, or do we, you know, um, Maybe Adenergy is the answer, but he's like, what is he, sixth, seventh round rookie? Uh, yeah. Fred, do you just move Fred Johnson out to to right tackle because this is kind of tackle is his natural position? Um, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Don't know. Get, just get rid of Jim Turner. <laughs> if Jim Turner's gone, we're not having you in to replace him. Then I just want to make that clear. Who knows? Who the hell knows? Uh, right. Let's play first and ten. Okay, we are ready for another, um, we call it episode within an episode of First and Ten. This week we have Christopher Hood in Cardiff, I believe. Christopher, how are you doing? Not so bad. It's uh, it's typical Welsh weather here today. We've got rain, so all the lovely sunshine of lockdowns is a long distant memory now. (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, welcome to you. it's good to have you uh, on the podcast again. You might have heard Chris's voice before a few times in the past, uh, but he's elected to uh, walk the walk and talk the talk and all that kind of stuff. So, Chris, uh, it's uh, you know the rules. You have to move 80 yards with uh, in 12 questions to score a touchdown. Now, the leader in the clubhouse, we're not going to count Paul Sinha because he's a professional and he got... He only took two questions to score um, a touchdown. But you've got to beat Danny Hawkins with six uh, questions. Marissa Contepelli, 
of course, uh, scored a touchdown in nine questions, as did Duncan Price. So, Chris, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready, and I'm pleased that you haven't added an extra round of realism with, where if I mess up a question completely, I get sacked and go back seven yards. <laughs> no, this is not the real thing. Uh, this doesn't mirror the uh, Bengals team itself. Thank, thank goodness. Um, right, what are you going to start with? You're at your own 20-yard line, and it's first and 10. Well, I'm going to take a leaf partly, partly out of Paul Sinner's book and partly out of uh, one of my favourite plays I've ever saw at uh, Wembley when we had the international games with Phil Rivers and just go for it on the first play. Going for the hard. OK, hard question. This is it. Uh, this could be, Is it going to be our first ever one-question touchdown? Let's see. What is the chemical symbol for silver? I think that is A-G. Correct! It's a touchdown! Burrow goes back to throw. A-G is chuntering on the sideline, but he comes in for the play. He catches it down the sideline, and it's an 80-yard touchdown. Christopher Hood, you are our first one-question touchdown scorer in first and ten. Correct! Thank you very much. I feel honoured. And following on from them. Paul, last time around, I feel as though you, sh you should now ask me about another 36 Let's questions because I know you have absolutely nothing else to do with your life. That All you want to do is search for questions. No, Chris, because Paul <laughs> Sinhar completely and utterly cleaned me out of questions. I bet. Um, now, okay, well, let, let's ask you one more hard question to see if you oh, get, got that. Because uh, I reckon you would have... Actually, what would you have got if, if you hadn't have got that question right what would you have done next would you have played it a bit safer i would have probably then gone for a safer one just to get my just to steady the nerves a little bit yeah okay so let's give you a medium question how many how many of henry the eighth's wives were called catherine two see you wouldn't have got that right it's no. three catherine oh well, uh, that would have been third down and ten. <laughs> third down and ten. So you would have had to gone for another medium question to get first down, right? Uh, I could have done two easies, couldn't I? Well, not. Well, yes, I suppose so. Yeah. yeah. I would. I would have probably really sort of uh, taken it very easy at that point and gone for two easies and hoped that I didn't I totally embarrass Next, myself. First easy question. You w will get this. Which football team has the nickname the Blades? Yes, I will definitely get that, given that I support them. Sheffield United. <laughs> and then the next question would have been, what temperature in centigrade does water boil at? 100. So you would have got the first down, got the but first you down. would have been four questions in. But that doesn't matter, Chris, because you are our first... Who knows? You might be our only one-question touchdown scorer. Congratulations, Chris, and uh, it's always good to catch up with you, mate. And uh, Absolutely, good to chat to you too. We wish you well and uh, stay safe down there, Wales. Thanks very much. You stay safe too. There we go. That was first and ten. What a fantastic uh, little episode, little interlude. Uh, forgive my excitement when Chris got uh, the touchdown in one question, our first ever one-question touchdown. See, that's something to celebrate, Nathan, isn't it?
You, 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 mate, you got to beef these questions up, my son. You got to come at us next year with some proper mad questions, like some ridiculous South American literature questions, and <laughs> just to completely throw people off. Like, come back next year. Next year, be like first and fifty. You rename it. All right. Well, challenge accepted. As you can imagine, um, we have a lot of correspondence, so I'm going to go through as many as I can, uh, and. Uh, doesn't make for pretty reading. I, I, really. I, was, I, was, I, was, I was looking at the questions <laughs> earlier today. They're not really they're questions. People, they're not questions. No, they're, they're pe- just... People have just decided they've gone full. Like, instead of one tweet now, there's need most of them need two or three tweets. I can feel the pain. Okay, let's start. Let's get through this as painlessly as possible. Uh, dreams. Remember, folks, it's just a game. It is just a game. Um I'll probably get shot down for that as well. Dreams of Witness at D Witness. Question for the pod. How can we possibly excuse that performance? The Ravens blitzed Mahomes all game, so Tate was out there, yet we couldn't repel an unwanted door-to-door insurance salesman. Enough, Love that. Enough of the smooth ZT talk action is required. Uh, I think we spoke about that a little bit earlier, uh, Jim, but they're well stated there. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, Martin Caladine at Ugly Game. Losing the game wasn't the issue. It's losing in the manner we did that's troubling. We can all see what the problems are, but Zach Taylor has no answers. With his staff, Joe Burrow is more likely to get killed in a Bengals journey jersey than he is to win the Super Bowl in one. Uh, Duncan Eden at Slam Dunk the Funk. Solid handle. Good luck, guys. You'll need it. And this is when I said, uh, you know, uh, put out a tweet saying we want the questions we're ready for it and then kind of uh, a little gif of uh, some cartoon character hiding in a basket so he says good luck guys you'll need it i don't mind us losing but it's the way we lost that makes it most disappointing i'm sure you will have covered the uh covered off the o-lines woes aj green and john ross the only positive from last night is how we well the defense played well said duncan um wee man syndrome at or at cameron it was excruciating to watch. Uh, D kept the score respectable and actually played well for stretches. Seems like we have some players to get excited about on that side of the ball, with Logan Wilson looking like a solid pick so far. We'll miss Reader if he's out for the season. Uh, Peter Dazwa at Dadders. We always knew we were on a long road. Uh, there will always be potholes on that road. Admittedly, yesterday's was the size of the freaking Grand Canyon, but was still on the road. There was some optimism in Bengaldom before yesterday. Don't let one bad loss destroy it. I think that's a fair point as well. You know, I think that's fair, Pete. Uh, Sean Whitehead at Sean Whitehead underscore. Uh, defense was strong and made it hard for Lamar. The issue is if your O-line can't keep the QB upright to make throws, then doesn't matter how good Burrow is. Hard to make plays when someone is hitting you two seconds after the snap. Uh, very fair point, Sean. Uh, Memphis Soul Stewart, Stewart Bears 688. Is uh, is angry Nathan on tonight? If the O-line continues to be so poor, Burrow is going to get injured and every team now has a template on how to beat us. How are you feeling? Are you angry? Um, no, I've, I've, I've played some tennis today. I've let my steam out. I was fuming last night. No, I, I think after the last two and a half years, when you see your team get done over like that a few times, it, it's hard. You know, yeah, you're frustrated. 
it's annoying, man. But I'm, I'm all good tonight, son. I've had my magnum, as you said. I've played some tennis. I've had a cheeky bottle of beer. I'm feeling all right. <laughs> Do you realise, I don't think we've had a winning season since 2015. Um, dare I say, it, this has a, a small whiff of the 1990s about it. Just going to put it out, though. Yeah, well, yeah. five years goes quickly, doesn't it? It certainly does. Jamie at Trek White Beast, you know, I'm sure Glad Taylor, the failure, has got us the field goal at the end. Otherwise, people might think this was a really bad defeat. I'm sure that on a day when our defence largely stifled the Ravens' offence, the same damn issues on our offence reared their head. And this is uh, this is one of the uh, multiple <laughs> subtweets. What did I always say about Alex Redmond? Walking penalty. Bobby Hart, rubbish. Play calling, unimaginative. Execution, abysmal. Poor errors at poor times. A team that is mentally not in gear and not motivated. And why should they be motivated? They know that Zach's positivity in the face of incompetence will let them off. The man talks about culture and talks about respect, but there's the grotesque chaos of him not having the spuds to tell Dunlap he's dropping him. There's the lack of accountability from his assistants. Did you know this is Jim Turner's longest tenured NFL job? One season and five weeks, this is what you get for letting nepotism cloud your judgment. The easy decision is to wait to the end of the season. The easy decision is to offer the coaches the respect they ill-deserve. We need to make hard. Oh, this is a long one. We need to make hard decisions. This is a podcast in its own right. I know. We need to make hard decisions. Hard decisions that Houston and Atlanta have taken. Enough is enough. Sack Zach. He's cack. And get rid of Tobin and Arumo and Turner and the rest of this absolute circus. Darren Simmons to take over until the end of the year. Rip the plaster off. If someone's just tuned into the podcast midway through, they just think that's your opinion, son. They're, no, they're not going to no. be happy with that. <laughs> no, absolutely. Uh, Andrew uh, Dockerall at Dockers, 77. Uh, 183 yards uh, for Burrow. 59 yards for Mixon. That's some pretty aseptic offence. The way AJ gave up on the INT was embarrassing. It was never going to be a one-year rebuild, but yes, they showed there's a long way to go to be a top-10 team. Is Von Bell the only free agent to not miss a game via injury? Do you know what? He might be. Because, uh, obviously, Xavier Sufilo... Thomas has, and is he? No, that's very true. Yeah, Thomas, yeah. Uh, Jam at Baguette Disco. Uh, the most frustrating thing is that the defence played well, shooting ourselves in the foot on offence. There was another couple of pennies yesterday that didn't do us any favours. Andrew Dockerall was back. Uh, he said he hates to talk draft already, but but he has to ask the question. If the season ended today, Bengals draft 12th, rank these three needs, offensive line, wide receiver, edge. Think we need a premium addition at each to be that top 10 team. And I agree, especially if AJ and Ross goes next year, we need a speedy wide receiver. So, you know, that's a fairly high pick. We desperately need some pass rush help on the defensive line. Uh, I would think about going edge or even a three technique in the first couple of three rounds. But I, I think you have to put offensive line and you have to, you know, I've, you've got to go interior, actually, I think. Although tackles you know are more... Is, a, you? Hey? You know the roster, how many picks you got in this draft? 
Well, no, there's three picks there. <laughs> Offensive line, wide receiver, edge. I th- I think I think I'd go OL, edge and wide receiver. Yeah, fair. It's got to be O-line, isn't it? I mean, it all depends on who's there and where you're picking, but it has to be O-line. That's the most glaring need on the team. There's a lot of old guys, we talked about it earlier, that are going to go. I mean, AJ Green's not going to be here next year. I think Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap, I'd be surprised if they're both on the roster next year. I don't know what the get-out-of-jail clauses are on their contract, but unfortunately... It's again, you've got had guys that have been here a long time, they're fantastic players, but their time comes to an end. And this roster's going through a bit of a rebuilding, sort of youth revival, and people sort of coming into the side. And I think, unfortunately, their, their numbers might be up, which opens a lot of positions up. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a lot of there's a lot of unfortunately, there's a lot of positions, there's not many position groups, maybe safety, maybe linebacker, depending on how these guys come on. At the, season progresses but there's not many positions on that team that you'd say are, are full at the moment and can use a, a starter or two agree uh rosie at rosie underscore may 16 uh it was just sad to watch wasn't much positive to take from that game where do you guys think the biggest failings are coming from from the games i've seen it seems like coaching is our main issue and that we need to bring in some experience for the o-line agree wholeheartedly I think we did get completely and utterly outcoached yesterday. Um, not again. I'm leaving the defense out, but certainly the duel between Zach and Brian versus uh, uh, old Wink on the other side. There was only one winner, I think, wasn't there? You, you, you know how much I rate John Harbaugh, and he did just without even needing to do anything spectacular, just carved us apart with a game plan. In um, I, I, I still. My, my jury for Zach is still open. I'm not writing him off yet. But to answer Rosie's question, I think it, you have to point to the coaching and the schemes because it's easy to point the finger at the offensive line and we all know they haven't been fantastic. But it does go beyond that. Whether it's the, the play calling to me just doesn't look fun. It, there's nothing exciting about it. You don't feel like they've really sort of like dialed up some game plan that has torn uh, the Ravens apart. It, it just felt it felt a bit benign and a bit slow and a bit sort of made up as we went along. And I think that's a real shame. I think, yeah, it, it's really, really, for me, it has to be the coaching at the moment. I, there's talent on the team. There are individual players that are good players. T. Higgins mm. is very good. Joe Burrow is very good. Obviously, DJ Reed is a fantastic player. Jonah Williams has looked fairly good so far. Joe Mixon is a talented running back. There's players there that can make plays, and I just don't think we're getting the most out of them. Dave Cass at Come On Didier. Solid and I've just about calmed down after last night. The reality is that we were never likely to win this game, but the way we lost it was very concerning. Any half-decent defence is going to walk all over our O-line, so Zach and the coaches will have to change their approach. We need to get the ball out of Joe's hand quickly, and I mean really quickly. Perhaps some more adventurous plays involving our backs would also help. If not, Joe is going to go the same way as Zach, and we'll be back to square one. Well done to the D who kept the score down. Yeah, I agree, Dave. Uh, Where were the jet sweeps that were so successful yesterday? Why not true, try a few end arounds and reverses like uh, uh, like proper teams do? There weren't that many screens, you know what I mean? There was no real sort of deception there. And the problem is, I think, 
the receivers just weren't getting open, and obviously you need receivers need separation to to get the ball out quickly. You know, so well, I don't well that, know. that's another that's a really good point with the receivers because not, we're not talking about that, but you have to look at that as an issue because if these guys aren't open, it means Burrow has to hold the ball, and it means that he gets sacked, and that you can't look at PFF for that. That's why you look at these unusual grades that some of the line are getting. It's actually not, it's not bad grades. At what's going on? Who's he thrown it to? I mean, we've said about wide receiver speed almost every single week. Obviously, AJ did nothing again yesterday. John Ross is still inactive. T. Higgins has been fantastic. He's probably been, apart from Joe Burrow, the one real highlight of this year. I think he's made some fantastic catches. He's been able to get open, but he's not the fastest guy in the world. Neither is Tyler Boyd. He's a slot receiver. Obviously, same with Alex Erickson. We all know Alden Tate's not a quick guy. He's just a big guy, good hands. It is a real worry. It's a real worry because you just don't have that one guy that can just like completely tear it down the field. I don't think we've had a long completion of over 30 or 40 yards. I mean, apart from the pass to Geo where he ran it for the sort of 30 or 40, Burrow's not completed a deep ball yet. And that's got to be a concern after five games. Uh, Donny at Ippy Don. It was disappointing because we all believed we could keep this game tight. A win was always going to be the long shot. But to not be competitive offensively was a big letdown. The Colts could have a field day with our O-line next week. Yeah, I mean, they've only got Justin Houston and DeForest Buckner. That's all. Um, Oliver at Dragonics. Uh, Jim Turner out. That is all. Um, Stuart Davis at Dutch Bath. Solid handle. Time for Jim Turner to fall on his sword, and if he's unwilling to do that, Taylor to remove his friend from the organisation. Some big, tough decisions need to be made, and it's time that, as head coach, Taylor takes some responsibility. Ken Davis at Ken Davis. What is the tradable combined value of AJ and John Ross? Clearly neither are going to make the kind of contribution we need would you trade them to bank some value, either in picks or trades, which could help the areas of more concern? I would in a heartbeat. I, the value's the issue, isn't it? I mean, you're not going to get anything higher than a fifth-round pick for either of them. You'd be lucky to get a fifth, I think. Um, I, it's, it's, a, it's a sad state of play, man. I just don't know what more to say i don't think you'd even get a sixth round pick for either i mean aj's hurt why would a team want to give up that even if they're a desperate wide receiver i think they're going to be some serious questions there you're also not going to take aj green on because he's on the franchise tag so you're paying him a serious amount of money for a guy that is out of contract at the end of the season and he's getting paid far more than he's able to contribute john ross again is on a one his contract ends at the end of the season you're not really going to want to take that on um it's their the values virtually nothing i would say i i'd be surprised if you could get anything more than a sixth round pick for either of them at the moment and that's a, a remarkable thing to say for two guys with certainly a lot of talent um yeah yeah all uh, at armaduke panache solid handle what a disappointing state of events burrow looked every inch of a rookie deer in the headlights and it was a massive coaching mismatch we have sadly got the worst coaching staff in the division by a long stretch. Best thing was the 4.30 to 5.30pm online tailgate. Lovely, old. Keeping it on brand there. like it. Thank you very much. 
you paid off for that, didn't you? I slipped him a fiver last night. Um, <laughs> when are you going to come on the tailgate? Well, soon, son. Soon, okay. I'm just building up. Yeah. Odat at DZE. Don't worry, we're almost done, I think. Um, uh, he's, he's got This is a triple tweeter, so bear with. Uh, one, our win-loss record shouldn't be the only measure. Uh, just look at the 4-1 and one Bears, but if this year was meant to be about development and progress, then it's failing. None of the wide receivers are getting separation for Joe. Where is the innovation or creativity? Number two, that was one of the worst displays by our offence, and there's been a lot of them in the last few years. I don't think Zach is up to it, and the front office should be thinking now about replacements in the off-season. Number three, however, I do think the team will give another year, uh, Zach, another year, because he's Duke Tobin's guy. And if you're the Duke and say Zach's not the guy now, you're also admitting your own failure, especially when you add in all the poor draft classes he's had recently. Uh, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I, mm. I put out a poll yesterday, and I might do one every week just to sort of gauge the, the sort of the mood of the fan base as he, we, each week goes on. Should Zach Taylor stay? Should he go? Or should he be given more time? And at the moment, I think it was 60% of people wanted him out, and I think about 40 were saying either give him more time or he should stay definitely. Mm. And it, I think it's interesting. At the start of the season, you'd have probably said it was maybe 30%, 20% maximum, maybe maybe not even 20%. I think people, apart from Jamie, I think a lot of people were saying, look, he's you know difficult season last year. He's got his young guy now. He's got Joe Burrow. Let's see what he's got. I think all of us would have been in that camp. And five games in, I mean, it's not a complete shit show. I mean, they've won a game. They've got a tie out of the Eagles on the road, which is not awful. But... It's just the manner in which I think they're playing in some of these games. It's really angering people. And like I said, like we said every week, it's Zach Taylor. He'll, he'll have, they will not be fired before the end of the season. I don't care if they don't win another game. They will not fire him before the end of the season. They'll wait and see what they've got. They'll wait to see what the progress is like, how he can develop Joe Burrow, how he can develop his guys that he's drafted and brought in. He's got two draft class, uh, classes under his belt now. And then they'll make their decision. But... I think at the moment he's not going to be happy as to where he is and he, he's got some big games. There's some difficult games coming up as well. I think we've got the Colts, we've got the Steelers, we've got the mm. Browns again. It's, it's some good teams we've got to play. Uh, Phil Hatton at Bengal Blue Boy. Has AJ Green been having us off for three years? 55 million receive for what? If he is carrying a knock, why was he trying to get a four to five year deal and saying he's as good as ever? They effort on that interception red-faced emoji. Yeah, I don't know. Um, again, it's I'd... not bad earnings, is it? 55, 55 tickets for, um, you I'll know, take for it. three years. Uh, Warrior at Warrior Nate 99. Uh, Solid handle. Zach gets two more meaningless wins at the end of the season. Do either of you want him to keep his job? Everyone knew the Ravens would, would man blitz. How can't... Uh, the guy have a game plan. Do Dave Shuler's kids have any coaching credentials? We have no chance of landing EB next year. I guess he's referring to Eric B. Enemy. Um, yeah. Uh, Sam, what are, you, what are you saying? What are you saying to the question there, son? If he wins two more meaningless games before the end of the season, what are you saying? Uh, you're going to have to have a discussion, aren't you, really? Let's face it. I mean, you really do. Uh, depends again if they show improvement and progress in terms of performance then that might influence the decision but if you're if you're still kind of playing well you know in patches 
you know, one good game against average opposition and then one... I tell you what game I'm really fearing is the Steelers in a couple of weeks, but we'll talk about that uh, at some other point. Sam Anger at Sam underscore Anger. I don't have a lot to say. It's incredibly frustrating to see the same old Bengals O-line problem, which has pretty much become the identity for the franchise now. I've always stayed patient, but I might lose it if we see Burrow on a cart. On to Indianapolis. Uh, Yeah, it's a fair point. Fair point, Sam. Uh, And I think you'll be pleased to know that that's it. Um, Thank you for all your correspondence. Um, Quick preview to the Colts game, my son. uh, Oh, okay. Well, here we go. Uh, Bengals plays DJ Reader on IR and sign DT Xavier Williams. There we go. Uh, that's uh, that's that. Uh, I think we've got a chance in that. Um, I don't think the Colts are fantastic, but they do have a really good defence. So we better have something planned, or else it's going to be a long afternoon again. But I think we can yeah. get at, we can get out Rivers and we can hold that offence of theirs. I don't think that offence is is amazing. No, they're, they're, I completely agree. Rivers' arm looks like it's shot. It looks like it's been, I think his arm has been going for the last couple of years. Um, they lost Marlon Mack, didn't they? It's going to be, I would imagine, um, potentially a low-scoring game. Um, it's on the road as well, which makes it difficult. I mean, not, not a long trip up to Indianapolis for the Bengals, but <clears throat> got to win. I mean, as we say every week, it's a big game. We've got to win. I think a loss here in our season really starts to sort of drift away from us. But if we could get a win under our belt, you know, two, one, or sorry, two, three and one doesn't look too bad again. So let's see. Indeed. Let us see, shall we? Let's see together. Um, We'll be back next week for another roundup and hopefully we'll have, uh, I've got someone in the pipeline, so that should be exciting. Uh, Not literally, uh, I don't have a human in a pipeline somewhere, but there is a guest in the pipeline, so do stay tuned for that. Uh, we'll be back with our online tailgate on Sunday, 4.30pm to 5.30, British Standard Time, 11.30 Eastern, so do tune into that. We had a fantastic guest for that as well. We had uh, Kendall Calhoun, the ex-Cincinnati uh, Bearcat offensive lineman. He joined us, so you never know who you're going to get. Um, and you're, of course, all welcome to come on and say hello so do join us for our online target me and nathan will be back next week uh for another podcast so until then stay safe be good and it's a who day from me and a who day from me cheers guys and it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the cincinnati bengals organization